Today is Sunday, June 17th, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Episode 267, featuring the Ringers' Jonathan Charks, is powered by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics, use the promo code CELTICS for $50 off select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. All right, another off-season edition of Celtics Beat. Everybody, welcome in. Adam Kaufman here with you. Great to have you. And uh, as always, just to get it out of the way quickly, subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes or follow me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. You'll never miss a show. You'll always be alerted when shows are posted and never miss a big moment because always there's a lot of stuff that goes on on this show. So you can also find it on Stitcher. It's everywhere. Do us a favor. Leave ratings. Five stars are appreciated. A one-line comment. Whatever is on your mind, we always appreciate the feedback. Even more so significant than that today happy father's day all the dads out there hope you're having a great day a relaxing day and i hope you get to do whatever it is that you want to do and obviously i hope that includes listening to this podcast as well i don't want to take up too much of your time certainly not as much as last week when we had a great show i thought with matt moore and if you missed it go back there's a ton of stuff it's all still relevant because we're in the off season and it's just it's the silly season guys and the silly season has gotten funny fast in so many different ways we are in mid-june still a couple weeks away from start a free agency a few days away from the NBA draft that's coming up on Thursday Celtics as of now if there isn't a trade slated to pick at number 27 so no more lottery picks as we've seen in recent years and there's all the trade speculation could Terry Rozier go people even tossing out Jalen Brown I don't think that is likely but in fact I'll, I'll flat out say that's not going to happen my opinion anyway but people are obsessing and all of the stuff attached to free agency and potential trades after the draft or I guess on draft night if it were something very significant like I said it's getting out of control very early there's the LeBron James conversation that many of you are tired of because you claim you don't want LeBron in Boston Kyrie Irving spoke this week for the first time in months. Give you some of that in a moment. And of course, Kawhi Leonard, just to hit that right out of the way, Adrian Wojnarowski put out a report during the week that said Celtics made an offer to the Spurs around the trade deadline back in February for Kawhi. There was no counterproposal. Spurs seemed reluctant to deal him at the time, and they still do. One question, clearly, is are the Celtics still interested? Do they still want Kawhi or have, as Woj wrote a little bit about, has their perspective changed with what we saw in the playoffs with the immediate growth, the acceleration development of Jason Tatum, who is untouchable, and that guy I just mentioned, Jalen Brown, who is the guy who would probably, we don't know what the offer was or would be at this stage, but you got to imagine, you can only have so many swingmen, right? You can only have so many of those six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys who do a whole lot of the same things, and they do them at different levels, and Kawhi went healthy. He's among the best in the NBA, a top five player, and not a lot of people would refute that, even coming off the injury so long as he came back healthy, and there are the character concerns and things like that the way he just walked out on the team. But putting all of that aside, if the Celtics were still pursuing him, who was in that offer? Is Jalen Brown still involved in that deal? Or, as I said, have perspectives changed with what we saw throughout that playoff run where Danny says, you know what, I don't need a guy who's going to command whatever, $200 million, when I still have these guys on their rookie contracts who have shown that not at that level, but without the injury history as well, or the character concerns as well, they can continue to help out and thrive and grow within this system and do what they have been doing and threaten as we continue to work and build toward Banner 18 in 
uh, a very short period of time, a much faster period of time than anyone would have expected. But on Kyrie Irving, and it's, you know, silly season has gotten kind of funny fast. The fact that he has been non-committal to wanting to be in Boston, all the more so when he started that press tour for Uncle Drew going back a few days now, he won't. It's the one thing. We don't know if he has said it to Danny Ainge, and Ainge would not tell us anyway, and you hope. You hope that behind the scenes that's a conversation that has been had or will be had. The fact that Irving, coming off this injury a year away from free agency and the reports of the Celtics being scared, he could go to the Knicks or, or leave to go wherever, that he's a flight risk, all of these things. You hope none of that is real. You hope that Irving, even though for whatever reason he refuses to say it to the media or refuses to tell the fans, no, clearly I'm not going to sign now. That much he acknowledged, but I want to be here. He has not said that. He has not said, I love being a Celtic unless he's prodded into saying it as he has been in some interviews. Kyrie, we understand you're not going to want to sign this summer. No, contractually or financially, just wouldn't make any sense. Exactly. Fiscally, it is not a good idea. You could cost yourself up to $80 million. Don't do it. Fine. Totally get that. But you are going to continue to be asked multiple times daily, anytime you are in front of the media, what you want to do with your future. Do you want to be here? Because it so dramatically affects the Celtics offseason planning this year and most especially next year. Do you try to account for Irving's departure a year from now? Do you try to uh, bring in a LeBron or someone of not quite that ilk because there are only so many of those guys but somebody else that you believe actually wants to be part of this thing if in fact he's not so sure that he does because Danny Ainge, we've talked about this on past shows, is not, 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 not going to lose Kyrie Irving for nothing. It's not going to happen, especially when you consider what he gave up to get him. Kyrie is, I was going to say growing tired. He's already tired of just being asked the question, what do you want to do? My hope is that uh... Uh, maybe we could limit it to maybe one question a day about what I'm doing this year. So, I mean, that's my hope, but uh, obviously I can't necessarily control that. So, um, But I think that um, you guys can feel my attitude is, is really just redemption next year, um, really integrating myself with our team again and really focus on winning a championship. That's the only thing I'm really worried about. Until I get to that point, then I can't really, you know, clearly concise any answer any questions, you know. So I'm pretty sure – Management and I will have a talk, um, but that talk won't happen now. Well, and hopefully that conversation will happen sooner and later and will happen ahead of free agency, even ahead of the NBA draft for that matter, depending on how big Danny's dreaming, if there are any guys that he's absolutely obsessing over that are available in the top five. I don't think, in fact, there's no way in hell Kyrie Irving is going to be traded in a deal that that is primarily targeted at getting a draft pick. That's never in a million years going to happen. I think the, the highest range of player that that could even potentially happen, I still don't believe it will, is Jalen Brown. But with Irving, it makes sense to ask all the questions that have been asked. What's his health going to be going forward? Would, you know, is he a flight risk? Does he want to be here? Does he want to go to the Knicks? What's his commitment to Boston? All the different things that he basically refuses to answer. Those are logical questions because he's not giving us the kind of information that we want. That's fine. That's fine. I have no problem with that. Where it gets stupid is where you have members of national and local media deeming already, guy doesn't want to be here. He's gone. You have to trade him, and here's where you should send him, and here's what the trade package. It's gotten out of control already way too fast. I know he's kind of a weird duck, but I hope 
he doesn't internal. He's not that sensitive. He's not the. I, I don't know how much he blocks people on Twitter and stuff like that. Maybe he is one of those guys. I really, I just don't know. But I hope he's not so sensitive that he hears fans or media and starts to think, ah, do I want to be here? I don't want him to be that kind of guy. I, I think what matters is what he hears from the organization, what people like me or you or whoever, like what we say. It doesn't matter. It's it, who cares? Who cares? That should be the perspective of Kyrie Irving. But let's say he does. Let's at least acknowledge for a second that he does. Do you worry about pissing him off? Do you worry about him taking some of that stuff a little too personally? Because if that's the case, he's already pretty ticked at the sheer notion, the report, the possibility, the likelihood that the Celtics and LeBron James could have a conversation. The idea that LeBron, after he begged out of Cleveland to get away from LeBron, seemingly, reportedly, that LeBron would want to then come here. And all of a sudden, Kyrie's right back in his shadow if he's still here and not sent away elsewhere. And what I find most interesting about the whole LeBron thing, and we are going to spend some time on it with Jonathan Sharks. You're going to know that name if you don't right off the top of your head. You're going to know it in a second when I tell you a little bit more about him. But what's most interesting to me as far as the whole LeBron thing, nobody squashed it. Everyone believes it's unlikely. Don't get me wrong. Nobody is saying LeBron's gonna go to Boston. I don't think anybody believes that. But the fact that nobody is even squashing the possibility, even an Adrian Wojnarowski, that to me is really interesting. And he was on Stephen A. Smith's show on ESPN Radio talking about that. I just think for Boston to do that, would Danny Ainge be willing? Let's say LeBron said, I want to come. Mm -hmm. Would he be willing a year in to ship out Kyrie and probably have to ship out Gordon Hayward, when Gordon Hayward committed to them, made a, you know, really committed to them and came in free agency. I'm not saying Ainge wouldn't do it, but I don't, like, they would have to tear their roster apart to do that. Unless there's a sign and trade with Cleveland and they can do, um, and, and that's always a possibility. Right. Um, listen, I think any great organization will be in a conversation with him. He has to kick the tires on the great organizations, the great teams, if he wants to chase Jordan, if he wants to win titles, of course you'd want to go, you'd want to look at Boston. They have the structure of Danny Ainge as GM and, and Brad Stevens as coach and a winning infrastructure of players. You, you would have to do a lot to that roster to, to make it work. But if LeBron James knocks on your door and says he wants to come, I'm not sure there's anyone who says no, but it would be a dramatic, it would be well, a dramatic um, thing because largely because Kyrie's there and we don't, those yeah. two aren't going to play all right, so let's jump into a lot of that stuff and a good segue to bring in Jonathan Sharks. He's a staff writer for The Ringer, and Jonathan also made some enemies in Boston last week with what he wrote called LeBron's Terrifyingly Plausible Path to Boston. Jonathan, I made enemies? Well, yeah, I'm going to tell you why. You, you've got to know how passionately Celtics fans claim, and I stress that word, they don't want this to happen. They don't want any part of LeBron. See, this is why people are unleashed don't like Boston. What kind of, that's ridiculous. LeBron James. I know, but that's not the way they see it. The way people see it, and I'm not saying I disagree with you, but the way people see it is this is this is the villain. This is the guy we've had to deal with for the last decade. This is the guy that has been routinely beating the hell out of us in the playoffs, knocking us out, and he is the he's the guy that Ray Allen left for to go to Miami. We don't want to see him in green. See, like, I don't know. So I'm based out of Dallas, right? The Mavs franchise card now is Harrison Barnes. So it's just hard for me to, like, care about that. Look, I'm telling you, I mean, some of the tweets that I put out, I've been now accused, and this isn't even the case, but I've been accused of being such a a LeBron pom-pom guy now that I I can't imagine the idea of them not acquiring him when actually I'm not even in the pro-LeBron camp for a variety of reasons. But people out there 
are so obsessed with the idea of, no, we don't want him here. He's I the bad guy. The we'd, ra- we'd rather do what we have and, and continue to build from within. But here's the other thing. It's a lot like when Golden State got Durant, right? Mm-hmm. It was as much to like weaken Oklahoma City and take a competitor off the board. Like, what if LeBron goes to Philly and him and Embiid and Simmons beat you off like five straight years? Right. Like, you got to think like that, like strategically. Well, and, and be awful. And obviously, you know, Danny Ainge among those paid to think that way. But fans don't. Fans only only look at to, what I don't understand. This is sort of the area that I harp on is when did it become that fans of teams, whichever team you root for, go from rooting for the laundry to the specific player I've had people, Jonathan, say to me, in all seriousness, I mean, they believe this. I've had people say to me, I would rather not win a championship without LeBron James than win one with him. Huh. I don't know why you so hated to Boston. That's weird to me, but I guess, you know, do what y'all want to do. I don't really care. Whatever. Well, if uh, if LeBron wants out of Cleveland, be it to Boston or elsewhere, you got to think that Cleveland doesn't have a ton of leverage. I mean, he's a free agent, so he may have none. He could just sign elsewhere as a free agent if he can't force a sign and trade to maybe the right or preferred destination. Now, you floated Boston sending Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, and a first-round pick. Why would Danny Ainge give up nearly that much, knowing that he's as shrewd a GM as you'll find? Well, I mean, just to get LeBron, it's just matching salaries. You have to match his salary somehow to just make the trade possible. And then Marcus Morris, he'll be here in two years anyways. He's pretty replaceable. And I like him. He's a decent player. First round pick, they have so many. It's not like they need – they have like four next year or something stupid. Yeah, potentially, obviously, if everything breaks right. But like it... you can't even have four first round picks on your roster, like realistically <laughs> with the way the cap works and the, you know, roster spot. No, it's true. And, I mean, I can't imagine that all of all of those picks with the protections that exist materialize in the first place. But you're right. I mean, there's only so much room on the roster. There's only so much room for talent. But what would need – you have to give up a bigger piece, like a Hayward or a Kyrie Irving. We'll get to him in a second. Or a Hal, Al Horford, one of those guys. But you could also flip him elsewhere. I mean, you could work out a three-team deal potentially where – you're not even necessarily overwhelming Cleveland. Maybe you're only giving them a pick or two and not including a guy like Morris, keeping him given the, the great contract that he's on. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's just an idea. It's not like, I don't know if Cleveland necessarily would want to demand to have Marcus Morris anyway. So. Well, forget for a moment where you believe LeBron will go, provided that you know you, you have a strong feeling on that right now. Where do you think he should go? It just depends on, like, it's hard to give some grown man advice. What does he want, you know? <laughs> does, he, does he want to go set his son up for success? Does he want to live in L.A.? He's, want, he's already got all he has to do in his career, like, accomplishment-wise. Does he want to beat the Warriors? Like, it just all depends on what he wants. I mean, he has to roll at his fingertips and do whatever he wants, basically. Just what he wants. What do you say to those that believe adding LeBron would stunt the development of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown because they wouldn't be as as dynamic of players as they currently are in this system? But wouldn't adding Kyrie and Hale do the same thing? Well, uh, maybe. I mean, we don't know. That that's just the fact. You know, we've only seen five minutes of those know, guys all I know play those together. Guys aren't, aren't coming back to be like Jason Tatum's running buddies. Like that's not happening, right? Like they're going to come back to be the man. Like that's just the reality. How do you think all of that is is going to play out? Let's let's just say they run it back for the sake of argument. How does all of that look? Because, you know, and others have floated this out since the great postseason run where they went all with it all the way within minutes of reaching the NBA finals without those two all stars. When they come back and 
And like you said, they don't want to be running mates. They want to get theirs. What's the, I don't know, reception going to be from guys that are far less experienced, but still Brown, Tatum, Rozier, if he's still here, Horford to a lesser degree is incredibly unselfish well, as a player, but Horford these guys are going to want to get their cool. minutes and opportunities Horford too. Seems pretty cool complimentary, as a complimentary guy. He's mm-hmm. so chill. It's very Duncan esque. It seems like well, he'll just kind of fit whatever. Sure. Rozier, I'd be surprised if he's here next year, right? Because from Rozier's perspective, he's proven he's a starting point guard. He's coming up on a new contract, and he's supposed to play 12 minutes a game and never get a shoot. That'd be tough pill to swallow. Like he would lose a lot of money staying in Boston next season. So I feel like he's going to try to get out of here. I mean, I don't know sources. It's just me kind of thinking out loud. Sure. No, I've I've, right. I've been saying the same thing for, for months at this point, that, that my belief has been that keep Marcus Smart, trade Terry Rozier. That's that's what you want to do. Now, I mean, which... if, if I'm Rozier, I'm, I'm my agent is saying, get me out of here. Like, I've done what I can for y'all, but y'all got better players ahead of me. So what's the point? Now, before we go ahead to him, because uh, I want to sort of bring that back to the draft, which is rapidly approaching here, but where's LeBron going to sign if you're a betting man? Uh, I mean, I'm not plugged in. Uh, this is all secondhand. It sounds like he's going to L.A., but it's once again, it's just all second. Don't, like, I'm no LeBron expert. I'm not plugged into his camp at all. So this is just me hearing things. This is not any kind of prediction. I really have no idea. But it sounds like L.A. from what I've heard. We'll get back to Jonathan in just a second. I want to tell you today's episode of Celtics Beat brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best sleep one night at a time. You spend one-third of your life sleeping. Why be uncomfortable? Casper products are designed with you in mind. Everything they make supports any type of body. Not sure what mattress is right for you? Well, start with the original Casper. With over 20,000 reviews, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. The Casper is equipped with multiple supportive memory foams and it regulates your body temperature through the night, so that's pretty cool too. Casper sells more than mattresses though. Sells sheets, pillows to ensure a better overall sleep experience and they do it all at an affordable price because they sell directly to you. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial. You don't like it? No sweat. Free shipping and returns to customers in the U.S. and Canada. What are you waiting for? Get $50 off select mattresses by going to casper.com slash Celtics and using the promo code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. All right, well, Kyrie Irving spoke this week, as I'm sure you know, and was asked if he could see himself playing with LeBron James again. This is what he had to say. In this business, I've, I've kind of experienced it all, and I've, I've, I've seen a lot, so, um, you know, we'll see what management decides. All right, so to me, that's not a no, or, or it is a no, pardon me, without using the word. Do you believe that Kyrie would actually be on board with this move, given their history? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't really want to do it, but what, what leverage does he really have? You know, like, as, as I kind of said, like, he realizes his position in the game and his leverage. Like, he knows the business. So he's like, I don't think he'd want to do it, but he's like, what am I really going to do about it, you know? Well, that being said, we're talking about a guy that was just under contract for a couple more years with Cleveland and didn't want to be there anymore be it because of LeBron or for other reasons and, and forced his way out. I mean, if there are real conversations about LeBron and we're speculating just based on what's out there that there are, at least internally, could that be enough to alienate Kyrie Irving? I mean, possibly, but he's got to worry about getting his knee right, you know. Like, that he hurt his knee again. It's like a second or third knee injury. He's 26. He's got to prove he's healthy so he can get a big contract next season. That, I think, it wouldn't be my assumption about how he's looking at it right now. I don't know. I'm not in this camp at all. It was, it was a weird interview for 
Kyrie during the week. Well, aren't they always at interviews? Well, they, they are. That's that's incredibly fair. I mean, he's as as odd a duck as you'll find. Very enigmatic, but. Uh, obviously wants to talk about the Uncle Drew movie, and you can understand that. He's on his press tour and, and all of that, but didn't want to get into his future at all. Do you think, and I, I know, like you said, you're you're not plugged into his camp necessarily, but do you think just, just from listening to that or looking at body language or following him in his career, do you think he's happy in Boston? Uh, I mean, I, I think he's happy. I mean, he's in a great spot. Like, like let's remember, like, this LeBron stuff is all kind of, speculation if they bring this team back next year he's an number one option on probably the favorite in the eastern conference probably and an almost certainly a top three team in the league like he's in a great position right now if he's healthy so i think he's probably happy should there be real injury concerns you know uh, for the celtics or, or even for him for that matter but for the celtics going forward given that you know we're talking about a guy he's going into his contract year has something to prove has to come back show that he's healthy if he wants wants to get that big cash, or maybe he's going to get paid regardless just because people look in the in the rearview mirror and know what the talent is. I mean, I think so. He's been hurt a lot in his career. Um, looking at his basketball reference, he's never played 82 games in a season. He's been in the league seven seasons. I don't think he's, he's played more than 75. He's been only three out of four, seven times. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a smaller guard. He's been injured a lot. Obviously, there's concern. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but <laughs> the numbers say it. Well, Irving said he's not going to sign an extension, which makes all the financial sense in the world. He could cost himself upwards of $80 million. But how do you gauge how he views his future in the, you know, removing the injury? Is he a flight risk for, you know, never mind the Celtics perspective. Is he a flight risk? I think any guy is, you know, the way the league is now. If you're a free agent, you've earned the right, you've been in the league, you know, eight, nine years, unrestricted. You've got to do what's best for you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's the way the league is. Like, look at Boston's Isaiah Thomas. Everyone's a flight risk. There's no guarantees. you got to do what's best for you because you know what's best for themselves. There's no loyalty, that's for sure. Well, you mentioned your article, and, and that's a perfect transition to this, the optics of trading Gordon Hayward. Now, I've been saying the same thing that you wrote for a long, long time, which is that you don't do it. I mean, the the the... The I'm not going to call it PR fallout. That doesn't so much matter. But just the, maybe the residual effects of other free agents around the NBA. It would be a horrible look if Ainge and Brad Stevens pulled Gordon Hayward from a good situation in Boston, uh, in Utah to Boston to seemingly a better one. You can't deal him after five minutes. I don't think it's even remotely realistic. But do you? I mean, it depends who you're dealing him for. It's business. You're dealing for LeBron. Thanks, people get over it. You know, dealing for like a bunch of spare parts would look really bad. It's just business. An interesting kind of just would you rather, actually, my producer threw out. Um, would you prefer to have a happy, content, fully engaged Kyrie Irving along with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, LeBron, and Al Horford, so no Gordon Hayward like we talked about, or LeBron in for Irving and then the other four, so Hayward's there, or where they are currently, where the Celtics stand and what they're building toward? Oh, man. That's a, I mean, talk about two great options, but I think I'd rather LeBron and Hayward. If they went LeBron, Hayward, Tatum, Brown, Horford, it's insane. I know the it's absolutely ridiculous. I know the positionless basketball is, is, well, it's a big thing in the NBA, especially big in Boston, but still, if you, if you look at that lineup, LeBron, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, Horford, who's your point guard? LeBron. Does he want to be bringing up the ball as much as he has yeah. been at LeBron this stage? LeBron loves to have the ball. Like, wherever LeBron is, he's the point guard, whether he's the, by definition or not. I remember Kyrie was a two-guard in Cleveland, basically. Like, he only got five assists last year in Cleveland. He was a two-guard. 
No, it's true. I mean, I think he averaged only five or six last year in Boston, where obviously he was the point guard. I just think, you know, you maybe I'm reading too much into it, but LeBron at 33, these articles that we see, like Brian Windhorst wrote the article about how, how LeBron rests on the floor and, and standing position and conserving his body and all that. I just wonder if he wants to continue to, to have that kind of workload. Well, in, in I would these say, though, years. like, if LeBron's bringing it up, he's not banging down low. He's not screening for guys off the ball. He's not running around screens. But he brings the ball up, he can hit Tatum off a screen, he can hit Hayward off a screen. You know, he can throw it into the Horford and just kind of stay on the perimeter. It's probably less strand his body. He wouldn't be guarding point guards on defense. So I think it'd be okay. Adrian Wojnarowski discussed uh, last week on, I think he was he was with Stephen A. Smith on his podcast, and it just got into not only all these destinations and, and potential there, but how we'll remember LeBron. And he put out just his opinion that if LeBron matches or passes Michael Jordan's six championships, we're not going to remember that he hopped from team to team to do it. That that won't be his legacy. Personally, I couldn't disagree with that more, especially if he heads to yet another new team now in order to do it. But what do you think? I think it changes a lot. I think, like, legacy is never um, constant. I think, like, like, every 10 years you've got a new generation of fans They'll remember him differently, right? Like, like we think, oh, LeBron's legacy and retires will be the same. But in 2040, there'll be fans who never watched him play. They don't remember it, you know? It's so, like, like look at, like, presidents. Every 20 years, like, there, a new bunch of books comes out, and it, like, changes the legacy of all these guys. Because hmm. we evaluate them to the principles that happens in the present. So to me, legacy is unknowable because so much of legacy depends on future. Like, I was telling something the other day. I wonder if, like, are the, all these basketball players in 50 years, they'll be like, man, these guys didn't have four-point lines. There was no virtual reality. Like, what is this? You know what I mean? It's hard to say. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I think a lot of that is true on a much smaller level in the sense that I was just saying to a friend the other day that I think that in even 10 years, nobody's going to remember that Paul Pierce played for the Wizards or played for the Clippers. Like, I forgot about playing monitor right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people will remember the the Nets just because of the you know the popularity of that trade and, and the shift to the Celtics franchise. But in, uh, hell, look back, Hakeem Olajuwon. Do you remember that he was with the Raptors? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, you know, or, I remember that people bring it up and like remember the thing no one remembers. Right. He was doing right. He went to like the Sonics maybe or something. Yeah, he did. He went to and and Orlando at the end there too. But you know he'll be remembered as a Nick and rightfully so. But in that same way, if LeBron is is the face of a championship team. How can you not remember Cleveland, Miami, and whether it's Houston or L.A.? If, if he wins titles in all of these places, that's that has to follow you, I would think. Yeah, but I think about it as a Cavalier. I think because of the, the history of that franchise and breaking the drought in Cleveland, it's hard for me to see anything kind of overshadowing that, especially how he did it, too. Even if he ends up winning more titles elsewhere, like Miami. It's interesting. Well, I, mean, I, th- I think he'll be remembered for all those places, but I think history remember him as a cavalier but who knows i mean i don't know you uh covered some other things in your article as well just relating obviously to lebron and the celtics like the anthony davis pipe dream now i agree the seas could outbid anyone as you wrote I, I think we know that looking at their assets but i just i'm of the mind that he's untouchable right now that he is that franchise that after their deep playoff run showing that they have an ability to win there not on the warriors level but that they can win there um I don't think that he is a guy that necessarily wants out in this moment. I just don't think he's gettable right now, at least not he's this offseason. Right 
But, you know, things can change a lot in a year. He's definitely gettable right now. I'm not going to trade him. I, I know personally if I was New Orleans, I would just not trade him because the odds of me ever getting that player as good again. I look at it like, remember when Kareem was in Milwaukee? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, not, 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 like not firsthand, not but, but that he was there, yeah. Right, like, just enjoy the time you have with, like, a truly transcendently great player. But maybe in a year from now, they sign Boogie as Achilles goes out again, and it's like, this is hopeless. So things just always change. If I was LeBron, I'd be looking at Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis. I'd be thinking, like, long-term. Like, how can I get... Like, I want to get those two guys on my team. I'd be thinking big, big galaxy brain ideas like that. So, well, in order to do that, unless you're moving all sorts of big parts and salaries, the the most obvious destination just in terms of pure cap space, as we know, it's L.A. Is Do you see him most likely going there and recruiting, whether it's one of those guys via trade or whether it's a Paul George, that that, that is just an inevitability? I mean, if I were him... I would be calling Kawhi all the time, be like, hey, don't be up with the Spurs. Come out to LA where you're from. I can be Jordan, you can be Pippen, let's go. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I'd be doing if I were him. Whatever he is or not, who knows? Well, on Kawhi, we just learned Celtics reportedly made a trade offer to the Spurs for him back in February around the trade deadline. San Antonio didn't even counter, just for fun. Or maybe you have inside knowledge on it. What do you believe the C's offered? I have no inside knowledge on that. I'd assume anything beyond Tatum. You know, I'd assume like Hayward and Brown or something. I don't know. Spurs have remained hesitant to deal Leonard, obviously, uh, according to Woj's report, at least. Do you think he's going to be moved this offseason, or, or is there a chance that, that Popovich figures this out? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because basically it all comes down to what Kawhi wants. And because they can offer him that $200 million contract, which is so much money. And he doesn't have endorsements, really. Like, what is Kawhi's biggest endorsement? I'm not sure he has any. So he isn't like LeBron or one of these guys who can just make money at Nike or something. So he might, it'd be hard for him to turn $20 million. It just, this Kawhi, I think they'll trade in the summer if he doesn't agree to an extension. But whether he will or not, it's hard to say. Do you think Boston's still interested, or do you think it's it's possible that, given the playoff run, seeing what Tatum and Brown, you know, both of those guys did throughout the postseason, that prospective changes for Danny Ainge there? See, I don't think they were ever going to give up Tatum. I think that was their guy from the jump. I think anyone else, though, they'd be interested. I mean, it's Kawhi Leonard, man. People forget how great he was. He's incredible. Incredible basketball player. Yeah, they're interested. Is there what, – what would you and, – and we're just spitballing here, but if you were – if you're the Celtics and you're offering something for Kawhi Leonard, knowing that he's coming off the injury, only played, what, nine games last year, he is uh, – I think there's, there's – there has to be some character concern right now, the way he abandoned his team. What would you give up for him? Well, then you got to talk to him, right? Because I guess Boston doesn't like trading for guys going into their walk year, which makes sense. It just gives them all the leverage in the world. You'd have to talk to him and see if he's willing to re-up long-term. I think L.A. could do that, knowing he's from L.A. and they're the Lakers. But anybody else, you have to talk to, talk to Kawhi. Obviously, talk to your doctors, too. What's going on with his body? I don't know. What do you think it would take from Boston's perspective to pry him from there? I think... So I would assume L.A. would have Ingram and maybe Kuzma or Alonzo. Ingram would be the guy. So it'd be like Jalen Brown would be the centerpiece, maybe Hayward, maybe Brown and some picks. It depends if San Antonio wants to do a full rebuild or wants to stay competitive. I don't know. I mean, I think Brown would be the Jalen Brown would be the centerpiece, I'd, I'd imagine. Then maybe one of those picks. Either that uh, Kings pick or that, uh, that Grizzlies pick. Probably the Kings pick. 
one area that I know you're really diving into, NBA drafts a few days away. Do you expect Boston to stay at 27, or do you think they're going to trade up into the lottery? I don't, I don't know. It just depends what who they're targeting, what they have to give up. I think they're definitely they're very aggressive front office. So I think if I was them, there's no, there's no inside knowledge. It'd be like, let's try to get a long-term replacement for Al Horford, considering he's a little older. He's an undersized big, so he won't last as long. I would think that would be the priority, but they have the pieces to move up. They have the incentive, so I would not be shocked if they moved up at all. Well, on that end, I mean, we came to learn, obviously, after the fact, how much Ainge loved Brown, loved Tatum at number three the last two drafts. If they do covet a Horford replacement long-term, I mean, who's the guy do you think they're drooling over in their offices right now? I mean, I don't know. To me, the guy is Jaron Jackson. I, I just love this guy. I think he's the best of these bigs. I think he's very underrated. I love his get. I like. I love Jaron because I think he's the best shooter of the bigs and the best perimeter defender. Like you're getting a six eleven guy who's an elite shooter, an elite perimeter defender. When the league is now, that's just like that's gold. How much does if if it's Terry Rozier who we talked about before, and let's say he wants out and he's certainly a, a good piece to be able to move up at least a little bit. It's Rozier, and it's a pick. And I know that's that's a wide-ranging sort of parameter because it could be the Kings pick or it could be you know a, a pick that isn't nearly worth that much. But how much does that get you without including a, a real centerpiece like a Jalen Brown in order to, to bump up into the lottery or, or uh, I mean, pipe dream, obviously, if you're targeting a guy like that, you want to get to the top five? Um. I think you, you Rozier couldn't be the centerpiece of a deal like that. You'd have to give up probably that Kings pick. I mean, I think if you had that Kings pick, Rozier in like 27, you could probably get pretty high up. That's be team willing to think long term. It's hard to say. I mean, it really depends. You got to find who needs a point guard. And there's that thing about trading point guard these days is everyone has a good point guard, so it's hard to find spots for them. One of those guys in, let's say, the top five, top seven, I don't know how deep you view this draft, but we know, obviously, it's, it's big, heavy as compared to past years, and it's a, a highly regarded draft. What are those guys worth up top? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, every team is different. I don't know. Like, what do you mean? I'm not confused with your question. Well, I guess it, just in terms of, you know what, I think potentially, like you floated Rozier, Kings pick 27, maybe gets you pretty high, but doesn't necessarily get you as far as you'd like to go. Do you have to include a, a guy like a Jalen Brown if you want to move into the top two, three, four, five? Or do you not need to? Is it not worth doing that? Yeah, How... I don't think it's worth doing that considering where you are. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a, like, the guy you draft this year is a luxury item. Like, I don't, like, you need Brown to contend for title next year, so I don't think I would do that. The uh, looking a little bit later. Let's let's say they stay at twenty-seven. Um, Grayson Allen is as polarizing a figure as you'll find in this draft, I think. Anyway, the C's hosted him for a workout. Would he be a good fit? Yeah, he's definitely a polarizing player, I and mean, he's a good player. It just, I think that one is kind of a personality thing. Like, I don't know what's going on with him. Who does? Like the stuff he did in college is so bizarre. One of the weirdest. It's like it's Markel Fultz in terms of the craziness he's involved in. <laughs> so I think I just think there are guys with his ability who don't have the same number of red flags off the court. But he's a good player, so if they draft him, he's probably pretty good if he can just keep his head on straight. You think Danny Ainge sees any of himself in Grayson Allen at all? I don't know. I'm not. I'm too young to have watched him play basketball. Danny Ainge. I don't know much about him as a player. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't doing stuff that Grayson Allen was doing necessarily, but he wasn't. Uh, you know, always the cleanest player either. Um, 
All right, so let's say, like I said, Celtics, they're at 27, so all these top guys that we'd love to fantasize over, they're not available. We know Celtics always prioritize talent over need, and and certainly character is very high on that list with things they talk about. Who do you think would be the best fit among those who may be available in, in late in the first round? I think two guys can make a lot of sense in Boston, kind of in that range. Bruce Brown in Miami and DeAnthony Melton at USC. And they both slipped in the draft this year because of uncontrollable stuff. So I don't much your listeners know, Melton was involved in that whole uh, shoe thing, the whole paying player stuff. So he didn't play all season. And then Brown broke his foot after this season. I think they're both really good defensive combo guards, who questionable jumpers, but very athletic, good size. Feel like, they feel like very aggressive players, very good on defense. They feel like Celtics kind of players. If, those, if their jumpers come around, they're going to be excellent pros. Are there uh, is there a limit to how many guys that the Celtics should have on their roster that uh, you know maybe can defend well but can't shoot? I don't know. I mean, they've been good at getting guys to become better shooters. That's, That's true. Rozier and Jalen Brown have improved significantly as jump shooters. So and they've got some kind of special sauce there to get guys better. Yeah, Marcus Smart just hasn't taken it yet. Well, that's a whole different. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are a lot of guys that are seem to be, and you know more about this than I do, a lot more, but there seem to be a lot of guys that are kind of soaring up the, the draft boards as we approach it. Uh, Kevin Knox is, is a recent one. Which guys are slipping, though? Uh, obviously, you mentioned Melton, but who else? Um, It's tough to say because it's obviously easier to, to like, push the positive of the negative one. And it's hard to know what's real and what's not this close to the draft. It's just, it's really, everything is in the air. I mean, there's guys in a wide range. It's like Trey Young is a wide range of where he could end up. It's just a matter of, because like it's all not, like, it's weird because like the consensus can change, but really it's each individual team. Their opinion is what matters, right? If one team doesn't like fall out of love with the guy, you can go really high. So it's just really hard to say at this point. It seems like the Bridges, the Bridges guys, Miles and Michael, are dropping a bit, but who knows? Given all the, the picks and, and assets that the Celtics have going forward, and, and who knows what could move in, in a larger deal, but just as we talk today and as things are in their pipeline right now, and, and you already alluded to this saying, you know, you can't have four first-round picks on your roster. You can't fit that. Are we sort of nearing that point? And I feel like we've been asking this question for years because of that Nets trade, but that's finally expired do the Celtics just have to move some of these picks? I mean, do, or, or or can they continue to, or not that they've done this too, too much, but can they continue to draft guys that are more draft and stash? I think you have to, because if you draft a player and he doesn't play, he loses all his value. I've always said, like, dra- a draft is like a car. Like, as soon as you, like, buy the car, it loses half its value. Once you draft a player at that pick and they come to your roster, then it's like, well, what are their stats in the NBA? How are they producing? That determines their draft the trade value around the league. So I think for sure, if you have a full roster and you've got like a, a 15, number 15 pick, you want to draft a guy who's not going to play because he's no trade value at that point. Better do it like Philly did with like Sarge and draft a highly regarded international and keep him overseas for a year or two. I think there are, the, the answer to this question would change depending on when it's asked, especially in recent years as the cap has really fluctuated and the TV money came in and all of that. But the where do we stand right now, 2018, and, and maybe the couple of years going forward, if you can project, what's the value of draft picks now? Because in, in recent years, they were, you know, I think very highly regarded in trade packages, and then we went to a point where they didn't mean a whole lot. They were kind of more throw-ins. Where are we now? I think they're highly regarded. I mean, I think you look at the, just the structure of the league. So once you draft the guy, you have his rights essentially for like nine years. 
and that's going to be the majority of his the, the majority of his best years are under your control. Like very few. So guys don't hit UFA to they're like 27, 28, 29, and then that contract takes them into the back half of their career. So like their best prime, and unless you like LeBron or an elite elite player like that, like it's not going to be that valuable in their early 30s. So I think they're incredibly valuable. I think they've always been valuable in that. Teams are valuably more and more. That's my – I cover the draft. Maybe I'm biased. I don't know. <laughs> Last thing for you here, and uh, I don't expect you to know this off the top of your head, so I'll just tell you, certainly many of our listeners would be aware, but uh, today's the 10-year anniversary of Banner 17, 39-point blowout of the Lakers in Game 6 to win that championship. Do you believe how this organization has changed under Danny Ainge's leadership just in that 10-year time? Uh, they've done a hell of a job, that's for sure. They really – this is probably like – I mean, obviously, a lot of it was just taking advantage of the Nets and Prokhorov, but it's incredible. What they've done is truly incredible. Well, and, and even taking advantage, it still takes drafting the right players, you know, luring the right free agents at a point in time where, you know, we used to believe that was impossible. You couldn't do that in Boston. And, and some of the very savvy trades, I, I, I you know, I... I'm not going to say Danny Ainge doesn't get enough credit. He gets tons and tons of credit, and I, I think his name or number or whatever it is is going to be up in the rafters one day in Boston. He could he very well be. In... GMs. Does that happen? I've never heard of that before. Uh, I think it could happen. Uh, you know the, the <laughs> well, well, I, and I say that because the Celtics have already retired members of the organization that uh, that you know weren't all players. You know, like Red Auerbach, for obvious reasons, is retired. A a former. Um, player who wasn't just a player went on to to do other things is up in the I guess the, it doesn't really matter because like they had no jersey number right so it's just like a nice gesture it doesn't really mean anything I suppose yeah I mean if, if, certainly if you just hoist Ainge although you could put his old 44 on it you know and that's not up in the rafters you could still do it it's been worn since but but you know if you if, if they if they're I'll put it this way if there'd ever be an organization to do it it would be the Celtics <laughs> yeah I, I mean I guess that's cool I don't know um, all right. Well, I'll let you go with that, but I, I really appreciate all of the, the time insights, obviously. Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer. You can make sure you check out his stuff. If you haven't seen that LeBron article, I encourage you to read it, whether it impacts how you feel about LeBron coming to Boston in this fantasy world where it actually happens. You know, that is up to you. But uh, I, I think ultimately it's one of those things that just makes for a really interesting few weeks of chatter and probably, Jonathan, never actually materializes. Hey, that's that's the content game these days, man. That's what we're here for. No, you're right. All right, Jonathan Charks, thanks, buddy. All right, have a good one. All right, thanks again to Jonathan. To all of you guys for listening as well, I don't want to keep you too, too busy on Father's Day, provided that you are listening on a Sunday and not a little bit later on in the week. If it is later on in the week when you're listening, that's fine. As long as you're listening, I certainly appreciate it. So, again, episode 267 featuring the Ringers' Jonathan Charks, powered by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics. Use the promo code CELTICS for $50 off select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. A lot of information, a lot of insight, particularly interested, of course, especially from Jonathan, if some of the draft stuff that we talked about comes to fruition coming up on Thursday night. Of course, the big story this week, the thing to keep an eye on is, will the Celtics make a deal? Nothing is coming free agency-wise until July 1st at the earliest. Will the Celtics make a deal NBA draft night? Will they move Jalen Brown? Will they move Terry Rozier? If I'm making predictions, I think Rozier goes. I think Rozier and another pick, a high pick potentially, I don't think the Kings 
Kings pick, but a high pick potentially goes. I think Ainge wants to get himself into the lottery. I really do believe that. And and he knows that the, the value right now, talked about it with Jonathan a little bit, it's it's a good time to sell on Terry Rozier. That doesn't mean draft night necessarily. It just means this offseason. But it's a good time to sell on Terry Rozier, not just for now, but for the future. Problem is, you do that now, as opposed to later in the offseason after you've determined the start of free agency, you are at that point in time rolling the dice on whether or not you're going to be able to bring back Marcus Smart. And so there are a lot of balls in the air. It's a lot easier for us to sit here and and question this and debate this than it is for Danny Ainge to attempt to predict the future. And of course, who the hell knows what Ainge even wants to do. I mean, if you'd asked that at the start of last offseason, we all would have gotten it wrong. Nobody saw only four guys coming back from a team that won, what, 53 games. So uh, again, thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Jonathan. Thanks to Nick and Larry and Evan and John and everyone at CLNS Media. As I said, subscribe. You can find the show on iTunes. Just search Celtics beat. Get me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. We'll get some questions in and uh, draft review and all of that coming up next show. So that should be a lot of fun. We'll be looking ahead to free agency as well, which as I said, it's coming. It's coming quick. The silly season well underway. All right. I'm Adam Kaufman. Talk to you soon.